There exists at this moment in good preservation a remarkable work of Schalken's. The curious management of its lights constitutes, as usual in his pieces, the chief apparent merit of the picture. I say apparent, for in its subject and not in its handling, however exquisite, consists its real value. The picture represents the interior of what might be a chamber in some antique religious building, and its foreground is occupied by a female figure in a species of white robe, part of which is arranged so as to form a veil. The dress, however, is not that of any religious order. In her hand the figure bears a lamp by which alone her figure and face are illuminated, and her features wear such an arch smile as well becomes a pretty woman when practicing some prankish roguery. In the background, and excepting where the dim red light of an expiring fire serves to define the form, in total shadow stands the figure of a man, dressed in the old Flemish fashion, in an attitude of alarm, his hand being placed upon the hilt of his sword, which he appears to be in the act of drawing. There are some pictures which impress one, I know not how, with the conviction that they represent not the mere ideal shapes and combinations which have floated through the imagination of the artist, but scenes, faces, and situations which have actually existed. There is, in that strange picture, something that stamps it as the representation of a reality. Hey everybody, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time and we are back with the Dark Descent. And what is that our story this- What? That we are. Oh, I thought you said, I thought you said <laughs> rad car. <laughs> like- New slang. <laughs> you kids today with your hula hoops and your rad cars. <laughs> that we are. That we are. Uh, what are we talking about? Shulkin the painter. Why are we talking about? Why are we talking about? Because he's in the Dark Descent, and that's, <laughs> the, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Why are we talking about the stories in the Dark Descent? Because we want to. Yes, that's the secret. That's our sweet secret. <laughs> yeah. We, we get to do whatever we want. We do. It's incredible. Yeah. Isn't that wild? We can just talk about whatever and release it, and if people have to listen... Definitely. People yeah. definitely have to. I know that, that that's how people feel when they listen to this show. It's like, I guess I have to listen to the next Del Toro time. <laughs> yeah, so Shulkin the Painter, a uh, uh, story I had never heard of. No, yeah. Uh, and which goes by two titles in two slightly different variations on the story. There's Shulkin the Painter, and then there's Strange Event in the Life of Shulkin the Painter. They're both by Sheridan Le Fanu, who we discuss, have discussed in the past. Uh-huh. He wrote uh, Harbottle, Mr. Justice Harbottle. Which was a weird story. D- yeah, it was. I vaguely, I barely remember. Do you remember anything about it? Wasn't that the one with the tree? No, that's the ash tree. What? Isn't it, Are you thinking of the ash tree? Yeah. yeah. The, the one with the spider monsters inside? Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, that was the ash tree by M.R. James, who really loved Sheridan Le Fanu. It was like... He's the greatest ghost story writer of all time. So it's understandable that you would confuse the guys. Yeah. So what was Mr. Justice Harbottle about? I don't remember. It was really weird. Okay. Well, now I'm going to look back to we find really it. Dis- wait. But we really discussed Le Fanu when we talked about the movie Vampire. Because 
Vampire was based loosely on Carmilla and on uh, another one of his stories in uh, A Glass Darkly, his collection of short stories. So we've discussed them several times, uh, but this is like our first, like, this is, I think, one of his most famous short stories. It's like one of the ones that people cite. It's just like, the story's messed up. It messed me up. And it's about thing. It, it, he was writing about stuff that like, he was skirting the line on appropriateness when he wrote this story. Uh, but yeah, because this story was, came out in like 1830-something. 1839 was when it was originally published. Uh, so what were you just looking up? Well, I was looking at what Miss uh, Justice Harbottle. Uh, it's the one about the. It's the one told through other people's P, like POVs. Um, it's like a, a case report kind of thing, uh, like the case of this like Justice Harbottle or something. Um, yes, yeah. now I remember. Yes, uh, because it's part of a collection of. It's from one of his. Like it's from one of his books. That's like these are short stories, but I put them all together into like their stories all being told by someone collection, mm-hmm. uh, which is what happened with this. So the strange events in the life of 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 Chalk and the Painter is the I have another. I have a collection of short stories that I'm pretending are a single story, and I've just thrown them all in there with some linking material mm-hmm. uh and but he actually has rewritten the beginning of it for that collection so it's it's a little bit different but it's basically the same thing uh shalkin what do you know about shalkin the painter the actual guy uh, nothing i just know that his name uh sounds like a type of clam what type i don't of know clam? <laughs> wait I don't a minute know. A specific type of clam? Or no, you just it's saying... just, Shulkin just makes me think of a type of clam. Like, it, it sounds like what a clam would be called. Like a proper name? Like the adventures of Shulkin the clam? No, like it's like a species of clam. Oh, like that's a fresh Shulkin? Yeah. I pried open the Shulkin and ate its meaty insides? Yeah. That's weird. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought of anything as... Perhaps being a type of clam. <laughs> I don't know. That's just that's just what I thought when I first heard the name. I'm gonna start saying I'm happy as a shulkin now. And people are gonna be like, "Oh, is that like some like Yiddish phrase?" And I'll be like, "No, it's a lot more complicated than that." <laughs> Listen to it's Del Toro time for an example. Yep. Um, shulkin the painter was a real guy, and mm-hmm. his like teacher in this story was a real guy. Uh, Schalken, uh, what's his first name? Uh, Godfried Schalken. And all the names are like spelled wrong in this short story. I think on purpose, because I think he's like, this is a fictional version of these guys. Yeah. Godfried Schalken, uh, he lived, born in 1643, lived to 1706. He was a Dutch painter, uh, and he was the student of Gerrit Dow, who was another Dutch painter and was in strongly influenced by the chiaroscuro movement in painting, uh, started by the the master of chiaroscuro, not started by him, but made popular by uh, Car- by Caravaggio, who was one of my favorite painters. And uh, chiaroscuro, of course, refers to like extremes of light and darkness. And man, God! If you look up Godfrey Schalken, it's just painting after painting of young women holding candles, uh, like this. So gothic. No, like and like coquettishly looking at the at the viewer, like ah eh? ah, eh, you coming? You coming this way? I see, I see. Um, I got a ton so, of ton of them. So fairy gothic. But no, mostly uh uh, I like painting sex workers. 
And I think women are the bomb, yo. And I want to paint a bunch of pictures of them wanting to have sex with me. Fair enough, I guess. He also painted a lot of pictures of men with sex workers, like offering them like money and presents and stuff. Uh, He just he liked painting sex workers and like servants and just sort of everyday people. Um, But the one thing and he was also a jerk and everyone hated him. His uncouth manners and his bad temper alienated him from society when he went to England. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he was kind of looking at his paintings right now. Yeah. I like him. Like, I like his paintings. He liked round-faced people mm-hmm. with big eyes. But his his teacher, Garrett Dow, was an amazing painter as well. Like, he and he painted a lot more stuff from life. Uh, like, like here's a guy practicing trumpet. Here's a dog who's asleep. Here's a here's a maid doing the dishes. Here's a violinist. Uh, here's a scholar sharpening a quill pen. Like, all this stuff from, like, the 1600s, these just slice-of-life pictures, they're really cool. I just think he's a really cool painter. Yeah. Uh, one thing that Garrett Dow did not have or do, though, was he did not have a daughter named Rose or a, a niece named Rose, and he did not sell the niece named Rose to a uh, a, a, a gerblin, a gerblin, <laughs> a devil, or a wooden boy, as some people think he might be, or stone. Think he's Pinocchio or a golem? Yeah, that's why that's why we're doing this because this is just another <laughs> Pinocchio tale. Would you have been surprised if in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Pinocchio would say, bought a woman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then sung a song about it. Uh, this pretty random movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Shalkin was a real guy. And love, And there's. I read this, like, in-depth, like, analysis of the story. And it basically says that, like, Le Fanu loved Shalkin's paintings. And you can tell why. Because, like, both of them were artists who dealt with, like, darkness and light. Uh, with eroticism becoming violence, with lust, with death, uh, with the corruption of youth, beautiful women. Uh, there were both artists who implied more than they showed, who relied on the imaginations of the of the reader or the viewer to engage with the work. Uh, and they both promoted a powerful romanticism that was emotionally complex, aesthetically sublime, immediately sensual, but gradually insidious. Uh, this was M. Grant Kellermeyer. It's an essay he wrote called, uh, or they wrote, I don't know who it is, called Le Fanu's Schalk and the Painter, a summary and full analysis of the classic ghost story. Yeah, you can find this analysis on the internet. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. I accidentally unplugged my mic. It was a whole thing. Um, I got very excited. Uh, so, uh, Willow. Yeah. I've babbled a lot uh, about Shalkin, how much I like these paintings. Why don't you, in a word, tell us what this short story is about? A single word? No, no. I mean, in, <laughs> why don't you tell us what the story is about? Uh, the story is about uh, a guy who falls in love with a woman, and then the woman's father is like, actually, this really rich, really ugly guy came and wants to marry my daughter, so I'm gonna, I'm going to do that. And then the woman is like, ah, and then the guy is like, ah, and then the woman gets kidnapped and taken to a distant realm. Does she ever come back? No. Yes, she does. Well, she does, but not really. In a dream. Yeah. Sort of. Kind of. In and a then dream, it ends. In, uh, is it a church or is it a, a grave place? Both, because yeah. he's in a church, but then he wakes up in- A mausoleum or something. Yeah. Uh, that's a good rundown of the story, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Shalkin is studying with Gerard Dow, or Gerard Dow as they call him in this. Uh, this creepy faceless man shows up in the studio one night and is like, I want to talk to your boss. 
And he's like, I can't see this guy's face. He's very tall and jangly walking. He's creeping me out. I'm going to tell my boss about it. And yeah, like you said, like he offers a stack of gold for this guy's beautiful niece, Garrett Dow's beautiful niece, Rose, who Shawkin's in love with and who loves Shawkin back. But Shawkin won't marry her because he doesn't have any money. He also can't marry her. He can't marry her. Yeah. And so the uncle who and one thing that I like about this story is the uncle's not like a greedy like he's not like, yes, he's like, I guess this is how things work. Like, I don't and, and and Lefanu even points out, he's like, you're going to think it's weird that he just agrees to let this stranger marry his but niece, but that's kind of how things were back then. So, well, you know how that's stupid and I don't care. It is stupid. And you're not supposed to, like, think it's cool, I don't think. But I do like that Lefanu was like, kind of like, this isn't the point of the story. This isn't like this isn't a story about like the injustice of this. You just got to kind of roll with this aspect of it. That's stupid. Oh, uh, so what happens though when they finally see the face of the stranger? I was way too focused on Rose in this story. He comes to their house. It's the first yeah. time Rose she, meets this guy, Vanderhausen. She gets freaked out. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, cuz why? Because he's terrifying. He's terrifying looking. He looks like a corpse. Yeah. He has bulging eyes. His mm-hmm. skin is pale as like paper. It's like blue. He has yeah, skin is blue. Uh and uh and his throat, he has a covering over his throat and his mm-hmm. face is kind of like twisted, almost as if he's been hung. <laughs> Hanged. Yeah. Yeah. Might be a dead guy. Might be a dead guy, might just have lead poisoning. He might just have lead poisoning. <laughs> we don't know. And guess what? We never really find out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, she's like, she flips out and then he leaves. He doesn't say much and he leaves. And she's like, whew, that guy was a was a sight to see. Hope I never have to see him again. <laughs> and then her uncle's like, nah, get, getting married. Yeah. He's like, about that. And what's interesting is Shalkin, who's there the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, he's like present. He's like, well, I guess I, I guess I can't really do anything about this. I mean, what is he gonna do about it? Well, I think so. There's, well, we'll talk about it when I get to the adaptations. But that's a question that is a, people have answered in a couple of the adaptations, just to <laughs> sort of dramatize the story a little bit more, make it a little more active. Uh, essentially, some of the stories go so far as to like be like, she wants to run away with Shalkin. And he's like, just give it more time. I know I can make some more money. Like the whole time. She's like, but my wedding day's coming up. And he's like, um, it wouldn't be cool if I took you away if I didn't have enough money. And then the wedding comes and he's like, I should have taken her away. Okay, well, that's just dumb. It is dumb, but he's kind of dumb. Like, it's just like, he doesn't do anything. But he's... like, okay, if he did do something, if he did, let's say, run away with her. Her uncle is rich and has the resources to immediately stop that from happening, and then he gets in trouble. Well, yeah, but the woman you love's getting married to a corpse. I guess I would just be like, I'll do anything at this point to try to keep you from having to but marry this. I mean, I don't know. I if I see a, a living dead person coming, like like paying a bajillion gold to marry somebody that I'm in love with. I'm like, okay, I don't really know what to do about this except for, I guess, get a gun. It is a lot of gold. Yeah. Well, wait, you would kill the guy before you just try to leave town? If he he was a living corpse. Well, we don't know that he's a living corpse because one of the weird things is that she, Rose, talks about him and she's like, that guy, he looks just like this statue at the Mm -hmm. church that used to freak me out when I was a kid. And that guy first saw Rose 
at that church. And so mm-hmm. some theories are that he's actually the statue who has fallen in love with this beautiful young woman and has like forced himself to life to like come like find her and marry what is this, her. I don't the know Wizard where he got of all Oz? The money. I don't know where he got all the money. Where does the statue get money? I mean, churches probably bury gold somewhere on their grounds how they stay afloat. I bet statues I, I bet their poop is money. I bet their poop is money. That's how statues work. I think we. I think Shulkin would have mentioned seeing the church and being like, "That's weird. That statue's gone missing." I'm sure you guys say that's weird. That statue's pooping. <laughs> no, it's money's coming out. I think we would have. Heard, I think we would have heard a tale of a statue being taken from the church. <laughs> well, I think we would have heard a tale about a corpse walking around the town. I think this is that tale. Uh, yeah. So the wedding day, the, they really just brush over the wedding. It's like the wedding day comes and goes, and they don't really do anything. She's like, yeah, I, he's he's too ashamed of his poverty to do anything about it, and she just gets taken away. But the 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 guy, the 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 stranger, Vanderhausen or whatever his name is, has promised the dad, "Don't worry, every few months I'm going to send you a whole bunch of money in exchange for your daughter." And the dad's like, the "Sounds uncle. good." What? The uncle. I keep thinking he's a dad. He's like a sad dad. I really, I I don't think, I like to think that a dad wouldn't let this happen. Oh, yeah, no, there's no way I would ever <laughs> let that happen. It's a lot of money. Yeah, but. I don't know. I mean, Mitzi's nice and all, but. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> if a you wouldn't let that happen. Come with a lot of money in a gross box, because he brings the money and like, he's like, here, look at it. Take this gross box to someone and have them tell you how much it's worth. And he's like, well, the box kind of looks like it came out of a fresh, an old grave. Takes it to a, a money counter who we won't talk about because it's a little anti-Semitic. A little? I mean, he doesn't, the, the money counter yeah. doesn't do anything bad. He's no. just, they just refer to him as a Jew. Like, yeah. they're just like, meh. Like, yeah, you know what we're talking about. I guess it was like 1830 when this was written. So, yes. you know. Uh, the guy doesn't do anything bad. He's not like greedy or anything. He's just the He's money. He's the money guy. He just knows. He just knows what gold looks like. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that's true. So she's disappears though. Like he never get the uncle never gets a, a a thin dime, and the uncle actually goes to find her. Like I figured Shalkin would be like, I'm gonna go find that woman I love. But he's like, nope. The uncle went. <laughs> I mean, again, how old is Shalkin supposed to be in this? I don't know. He lives alone. He's a painter. He's because- like a. After a certain point, if your seventeen-year-old girlfriend goes missing when you're like twenty-five, what? There's not you're not going to do anything about it. Why do you keep <laughs> saying that? What do you have against girlfriends? You're I like, don't nah, have anything against girlfriends. I wouldn't do anything if the, if I the have, dad. Got I have me. things against twenty-five-year-old men who go after seventeen-year-olds. <laughs> but she's been stolen by a corpse. I just don't think he cares that much. I think he does. I just think he's just not very active. He's not proactive. I what don't... I'm saying is if I was writing a story, I would be like, okay, now is the point where Shalkin tells the uncle, I'm going to go find Rose for you or something. I'm going to play the hero. I think it's interesting that Le Fanu is like, nope, Shalkin stays at home. It's still the uncle who's like searching everywhere. Of course, he goes and searches for this guy. No one's ever heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. He finds the he finds the guy who, uh, the carriage driver who, who carried them away after the wedding. And the guy was like, yeah, we got to them. We got like halfway up the road and these like, Weirdos on horses stopped our carriage, and the rich it's guy the got out. Hunt. Who would have thought? Guy, yeah, the rich guy got out with the woman, took her away on in a litter, and they walked off into the darkness. And like they faded away, and uh, but he left five times my fare, so it's all good. I think that's just what being a taxi driver in modern times is like. Is like what? 
I think that's just what it's like. That's, oh, you hear like like if, if if a ghost gets in your taxi, you just do what you, you just do your job. Yeah, if a ghost gets in the taxi and then it's like stop here, I'm getting out. I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, and they're like, I left you five times at the fair. I'd be like, more ghosts, please. Mm-hmm. Like, give me more, give me more spooks and specters. Uh, so she's gone, and then she shows up one night, pounding yeah. at the door in tatters. And there's three things she demands. Do you remember what they are? Let's find out. Oh, come on. It's three simple things. Two of them are on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Is it shelter? No. I mean, (laughs) she wants to come in. She needs something to... Eat, drink. And a minister, a holy man. She needs like a priest. Yeah, she demands food. She demands wine. And she demands a holy man. And she eats as if she hasn't eaten in like days, at least. She looks starved and sick. Because you can't eat food in the fairy realm or you get stuck there forever. And that was where I was like, was she? Was this guy supposed to be a fairy? Or this? Like, because even though he's very corpse-like, it is that whole like... Or, or, this okay. is a Persephone story. Underworld story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is he then? Hades. So you think this might be a Hades deal? Uh, some Something like that. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it could be based on fairies. It could also be based on the Persephone myth of uh, her getting dragged to the underworld and you can't eat food in the underworld or you're stuck there forever. That's right. And that was what triggered it because I was like, is there like a reversal rule where like if you get to the, if you escape and you eat food in our world again, you get to stay here? Like, because that's what it seems like. She's like desperate to eat. And I was like, at first it didn't register that she was hungry. It registered that she was like, Food and wine right now because I need to break this spell. Like, I thought that's what was happening. It, it I, wasn't. Yeah, I, I thought she was just hungry and thirsty because she hadn't eaten in a while. Plus, there does seem to be some kind of magic involved because she's like, mm-hmm. I cannot be left alone. If you leave me alone, I'm doomed. Yeah. And, and of course, they accidentally leave this her alone. That's, that's the part where I'm like, guys, just stay in the room. Because the fa- the uncle is staying with her and they take her to bed. He's staying with her by her bedside. Shalkin and the minister are like out in the hallway and then her candle blows out and her uncle is just like, oh, wait, hold on. I get another candle. And he just hops up. And as soon as he crosses the threshold of the bedroom, the door like slams and locks behind him. Uh, and then they hear her screaming. A lot. A lot. It's kind of a terrifying scene. Yeah. Because they're trying to get in. She's trying to break the door down from her side. And then they hear someone else in the room. <laughs> then the window breaks and they run and they get inside and the window is busted. She's gone. And there's like a ripples in the water below. This story also reminds me of Dracula. It's a little vampire-y. Yeah. Well, it specifically reminds me of Dracula because of the, the room thing. Because uh, it's like in uh, what's her face from Dracula, the main woman. Mina? Uh, no, it's Lucy. Lucy. Uh, when Lucy's is left alone, uh, uh-huh. the Dracula comes and, and takes her. Uh, so it reminds me of that. There's a lot of similarity. There's a lot of things in this story that show up in. in I don't remember if this came out before or after Dracula. No, before, because Much remember before, that yeah. Le Fanu wrote uh, Carmia. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of is like the first modern mm-hmm. vampire tale. So, uh, so this, yeah, that just that reminded me. Of- uh, no, it is kind of vampire-y, and it's <laughs> mons. It's it's a lot monstery than I thought it was going to be. Like a lot in that monstery part. than you thought it was going to be. It's a lot monstery, and it's it's almost Frankenstein-y, like where yeah. he busts in on her wedding night. Uh, I wasn't expecting broken windows and falling women, no. or whatever happens to her. I was expecting because... Shulk and the painter to be our main focus. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think it might be Shulk and Bitter because it kind of is like a Shulk. It's kind of like Marvel presents Shulkin origins. Like, 
Why did Shawkin end up becoming such a jerk in his life? Why was he such a bore? Oh, because this weird thing happened to him and he never got over it. And that's kind of how it ends is it's years later and he's like a pretty successful painter and he's just hanging out in this town and he stops at it. Why? He stops at a church for some reason. Like a funeral or something. Yeah. Oh, his dad dies. Yeah. His dad dies and he goes to the funeral and afterwards he's hanging out with the minister who's like, oh, I want to just hang out and chat, look around my cool church. And then he falls asleep and he has this dream that Rose comes and visits him. And this is where the painting comes in. Because the whole idea behind the story is that it's an explanation of this one bizarre Shalkin painting. Of It's a woman with a candle. It's just one of the women with a candle, except she's in front of a bed. And there's like a, a person in the background holding a sword that is clearly supposed to be Shalkin. And he has this dream that she lures him into a bedchamber, <laughs> pulls aside the bed curtains... And the the her husband, like the corpse guy, is sitting there, and he sits up, and they're both like, and they're like, she's like, ah, eh? ah, eh? and then he like, he's like, no, he pulls his sword, and then he wakes up, and then he like does a painting of it, and he's kind of screwed up for the rest of his life. Yeah. But uh, but it's a it's a it's a bizarrely like it's a super like sexual scene, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't mean it really happened, I guess. But he does wake up in a crypt yeah and people are like what you doing here my boy yep. so, sorry i just had a dirty dream about my my missing love yeah yeah i i hadn't seen any of shalkin's paintings before i read this story um mm-hmm. and so when i imagined the painting yeah uh it was very different than what his paintings look like <laughs> um, yeah and i can tell that i've been doing too much research into into uh post-plague oh. uh, macabre <laughs> art because I had a very specific image for the the woman in the painting, and it was Death Shroud. Oh, ha-ha. Uh, well, it does say that she's kind of, she's dressed in a weird outfit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it says it suggests a burial shroud. Yeah. So, um, uh, which it may very well be. Yeah, so my image was like the shroud going over her face, but you could like kind of see her face through it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. We mm-hmm. don't ever see the painting, and it's not a real Shalkin yeah. painting. Uh, but yeah, it's this weird, like, ending. It's it's. I, I'm going to come right out and admit it. I found this story really creepy uh, because it's it was like, I wasn't expecting it to be as just, like, ugly as it is. Like, yeah. just kind of brutal and weird and uh, bizarre. But yeah, bizarre, like, more sexual than I was expecting from a story from, like, the 1830s to be. Uh, I just don't like I just don't like horror stories about potential sexual assault. I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah. Well, so this story was adapted in into a a radio play uh, at one point that was called I believe it was called Oh my god I, I got I got to find it really quick I have it right here it was called the wooden ghost the wooden ghost okay where they make very clear. That the the groom. Hold on. Uh, this is like uh yeah. This is what is the uh what Mister Mister Something's wedding uh someone something's wedding the wedding of someone and something uh John Carrington's wedding. No oh, yeah 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 yeah. This is like a a a sequel or a prequel to that one. So the yeah. So you can think it's a it's a it's a reanimated corpse. <laughs> Uh, in fact, the 1880 version kind of explicitly says it. Yeah. Uh, or a painted statue undergone the same process of reanimation because, and so the radio story in the 50s is called The Wooden Ghost, 
and it just basically says that it's a statue. It's a uh, a man of marble esque material who they run into on the road. It's the the Shalkin character isn't as prominent. It's mostly just they run into this guy while they're in the carriage, the uncle and the and the niece. <laughs> um, but the 1979 like adaptation of it, which was made for I believe the BBC. <laughs> uh, let me just see here. Yeah, uh, yeah, television horror movie. It's like an hour long. Uh, 70 minutes long is wild because it was made for television and uh, shown on television in the place of their usual ghost story for Christmas. Okay. And it is chock-a-block full of nudity. Oh, great. Like first in the painting studio, just people posing like (laughs) artist models. But his dream at the end, she's fully nude when she gets into the bed and then she literally mounts the guy in the bed and Shalkin's in the foreground like and behind him in the background you just see sex and I was like this was on the BBC (laughs) in 1979 it gets there's nothing left to the imagination I was like wow like and they say in this essay he's talks about he's like yeah it just it takes the implied eroticism and just like spells it out for you but it's a very faithful adaptation it's actually pretty well done uh pretty it's not it's not scary but it's pretty spooky and uh and unnerving like genuinely unnerving the woman who plays rose is really good and really creepy but it is that like i read it and i was like this is this story makes me feel weird and bad this story just upsets me well that so then that leads me to my next question and one we won't be able to fully answer until next week but why do you think david g hartwell said this story is kind of a progenitor to the yellow wallpaper. Isn't the yellow wallpaper about a woman who gets locked in a room by her husband? Right. And but that doesn't happen in this story. No, but this woman was locked in a world away from everything by her husband and seems to have gone a little bit bonkers. It is. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I haven't read the yellow wallpaper in a couple of years, but uh, yeah, I am. I. Th- it, Simply by him juxtaposing it with the yellow mm-hmm. wallpaper, uh, or saying that it's like kind of a like a or an earlier like version of the tale or like the idea is is one of the many supports where it's like, well, Lafanu wanted you to feel terrible for this one. Like this is a story about a woman mm-hmm. who is mistreated by three men in her life. Yeah, uh, kind of like Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. is about a young woman who's mistreated by three men in her life, uh, Sweeney Todd, the judge and Anthony uh-huh. all treat Joanna terribly in their own ways. Yeah. Uh, and this story, yeah, she's, she's just done poorly by everyone. The three, like, yeah. What? Everyone. Who came to the wedding? Everyone. Like who was like, this is good. This is good. This beautiful 17 year old girl. And this like, I like, just don't think anyone actually cared about her. Golem. Like, but you said someone had to. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I assumed that there was talk in the town afterwards. I'd hope so. People were like, oh, that was a little weird. I mean, I'm used to like unhappy weddings, but that one really took the cake. She, she didn't seem happy at all. What if she was secretly into him, though? What if she was like, what if she met the statue at church and was like, look, I can't just run off with you, statue. Come to the house. Give my dad some gold. Say you demand my hand in marriage. We'll run off together and live a little statue life with our happy statue kids. The reason she came pounding at the door and demanded food and drink was simply because they'd had a car accident. I don't think so. The car broke down. 
she had to walk. He couldn't walk with her to the house because his feet broke off because he's a statue. statue. Then the dream was just a dream. He just had a dirty dream. We didn't talk at all about all of the God references in this story. What God? (laughs) What God? Well, there's a lot of God in this story. Mm -hmm. And the end seems to to imply that uh, uh, the man is a demon rather than anything else. Uh, what leads you to believe he's a demon? Uh, he says the demonic blah, 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 blah. Well, is he a demon or is he demonic? I mean, he could be anything. Yeah? Yeah. I I support the fairy theory um, because it follows the rules somewhat. Um, like, he didn't just whisk this woman away. He had to, like, get follow a specific ritual and blah, 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 blah. Like, he could have just taken the woman. He didn't. Um, she didn't eat or drink the entire time she was with him. Yeah. He can't eat or drink in the Feywild. Uh Feywild, so there's a Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they got whisked away by a bunch of creepy men on horseback. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was another one that made me yeah. go like, this is a fairy tale. Yeah. Like, because also, like, he's a weird looking dude. Like, mm-hmm. the fairies are always described as, like, unworldly. And, like, like they're not all beautiful. Some of them are very off-putting. And yeah. they don't know how to behave in public. And mm-hmm. he's very stiff and, like, take the money. I want to marry the girl. And you're like, well, maybe that's just how it yeah. varies. I don't know. And they paid the taxi driver. They did pay the taxi driver, following the rules. Uh-huh. Paid him a little extra. Thank you for dropping us off in the middle of nowhere, sir. Yes. Yeah. Shulkin. 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 Maybe Shulkin's also a fairy. Maybe. Maybe Shulkin made the whole story up. Maybe he Probably. just painted a picture. Maybe Le Fanu's lying to us. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the, the story is told as if it was a friend of his who had this painting, but then in the book book version of it, it's like this old sea captain or someone has the painting. But it's basically the same. The The rewritten version goes a little bit more into Shulkin's biography, just right, right. gives you a little more background on who he is. But uh, yeah, that's Shulkin the painter or the bizarre tale of the life, weird thing that happened to Shulkin the painter. That so. really didn't happen to Shulkin the painter. It happened didn't around actually Shulkin, Shulkin the, the painter. painter. <laughs> this is just... This is just Shulkin fan fiction. I mean, it strange, is. Strange event in the life of Shulkin. It's the literally but, Shulkin fan fiction. It's Shulkin fan fiction, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's Shulkin fan. I'm glad I read it. I thought it was, even though it's unpleasant, it was an interesting story. It's so yeah. dif- different. Um, there are a lot was, of connections to other future literature that were clearly somewhat inspired by this sort of thing. Speaking of connections to other literature, the yellow wallpaper. Uh, in our next episode, we will find the we will be t- discussing the story that is the Venn diagram overlap of uh, uh, women's studies majors <laughs> and weirdos who read H.P. Lovecraft stories. <laughs> There's like this thin. Oh, I mean, not that women's studies majors can't read H.P. Lovecraft or weird fiction. I'm just saying there's like this weird overlap, though, in the two things where it's like we read the yellow wallpaper. We read the yellow wallpaper. And they get two very different things out of it. Two very different things out of it. But yeah, the yellow wallpaper, which worked its way into the Cthulhu mythos somehow. Uh, but it is like considered like not like a major part of the Cthulhu mythos, but many writers have take, like use it as inspiration. And it's considered like a foundational weird tale in the history of weird fiction and also uh one of the few stories written by women that's in this collection (laughs) (laughs) so uh join us next time uh when we discuss charlotte perkins Mm -hmm. right charlotte perkins gilman gilman that's what i was i was like charlotte perkins gilman just like hp lovecraft wrote about gilman
It's all tied together. It's all tied together. So, uh, yes, join us. So join us next week for The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. What? I'm just reading the little thing that he wrote about The Yellow Wallpaper. Yes. Uh, this This is the classic response to the story of male guilt and horror at how badly a woman has been treated. Hot dog. I, fe- I think I've started to form a connection to the previous story. <laughs> Shalkin the painter, the man who felt no guilt. Or did? We don't really know. Was it guilt? He felt was it something. Guilt? Or was it just a dirty dream? I think it was guilt. I don't think he enjoyed the dirty dream that much. I mean, sometimes you feel guilty after them. No, I don't think he enjoyed... I don't think it was a dirty dream in the way that you seem to think it was a dirty dream. <laughs> it was a pretty dirty dream in that TV movie. Of- yeah, well, that's a TV movie. It was a whole lot of butt. Yeah, I feel like it was more of a nightmare than a dirty dream. It was dream. pretty scary, too. That dead guy sits up in the bed, and you're like, ooh. And then she's like, eh, eh, eh. At least she seems happy in the end. She was all into it. Don't get me wrong. And, like, the movie the movie version left no doubt in your mind that she was like, hop on. So, next week, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. The yellow... I shouldn't say it that upbeat, because it's not an upbeat story. No. Charlotte Perkins Gilman's. Gilman's? The yellow wall. Gil- what? You said Gilman's. I was going to say Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper. It's a possessive S. It's hard to do a possessive S when somebody else, when somebody's name ends with an S. Like, like if you have like Charlotte Perkins Gilman's. It just but her name isn't right. Gilman's. It's just Gilman. No, I know. Charlotte Perkins Gilman's blank, blank, blank. It yeah. just doesn't sound right. But her name isn't Charlotte Perkins Gilman's. No, I know. It's Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Yeah, I know. But if you if just adding the possessive S, it just it makes my brain feel funky, okay? Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> so does the yellow wallpaper to the heroine of the yellow wallpaper. Mm-hmm. So it's all the segue. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Find, find us, us on YouTube. Middle, yes. Find us on YouTube where I've been uploading all the Dark Descent. It's Phil's YouTube page. It's not called It's Still Toro Time. It's just called Phil Gonzalez. You can find it. Just search the story of my name. If you want to, I don't know, listen to these episodes again without listening on your... I don't know. In any case, find us wherever. Find us standing in the middle of the road, waving down passersby. I don't know. But until we discuss the yellowest of wallpapers, I am Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time.